Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Four, three, two, one. I told you before to be careful where you put your legs. I was only trying to be helpful. I can help myself. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. For seven decades, Michael Caine has been among the world's most renowned and recognisable actors. It was just what I needed, a one-inch god with a two-inch penis. The star of classics like Zulu, The Man Who Would Be King and The Cider House Rules. It's a miracle no one was killed. But also films that brought his career to the brink of complete implosion. I made a mistake. Somehow, he has always found a way back. You're a big man, but you're in bad shape. With me, it's a full-time job. In this epic podcast series, we will watch and review every Michael Caine movie, from the greatest hits... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! ...to the incredible misses. You failed to maintain your weapon, son. And take a deep dive into the life and work of one of the world's most recognisable film stars. His name is Michael Caine, and no one will forget his name. To understand how he has made the mark of Caine. Well, you all settled in? Right, we can begin. For God's sake, come in! Hello and welcome to The Mark of Cain, our continuing splurge into the films of Michael Cain, watching every last movie from the Stonewall classics to the absolute turkeys in our quest to fathom the eternal allure of a man known as much for the horror shows that pepper his CVs as the Oscars and the classics and all the rest. My name is Michael Foley and joining me as always is Stephen Black. We're about a third of the way through this thing now, so we're, we're kind of, we're, we're in 1970, yeah, we're getting through the 70s. How are you spelling third? <laughs> With the H and the I. With the H and the I. I'm like, we can't, look, we can give out about the 70s, but we did get the man who will be king out of it in Carter. Like, so, you know, I mean, sleuth, you know, it's not been, it's not been the worst. It's a decade. It's 10 years. It's not like we're talking about fucking six or eight months here. We're talking about 10 years of a career. That's more mm. than, you know, some people only get 10 years of a career. You know, ask any woman in Hollywood. That's pretty much all you get before, you know, the, the leaves start turning, <laughs> start turning. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And you know what? He made 22 movies in the 70s. This is movie 18 today. Today is movie 18. Yeah, he's like the Kevin Sharkey of acting. <laughs> Just keeps banging him out, even if no one's asking for them. Yep. Pretty much. Today's movie is the first one post-tax scare for Kane, when he was obliged yes. to make preparation to emigrate to Beverly Hills and avoid the punitive income tax rates that were... Uh, well, you can almost smell the whiff of the ink just drying on the check for this one, can't you? Really can. I'd say we went from his sweaty palm into his, uh, into his uh, savings account fairly fucking swiftly. Very, very quickly. Yeah, right. about, you know, we were going... We're, we're rating him on, on a kind of a scale of classic to turkey. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd say this is pretty much in the, the same category as, uh, you know, to see this, the, the latest... Uh, craze to sweep Britain at the moment is this Christmas dinner in a can that mm-hmm. I brought, brought out. It's just it's Delicious. beautiful separate gelatinous layers of uh, food. <laughs> this is pretty much in that category. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It's not very not very appetizing. If you were stuck, you'd eat it. Basically, yeah. We're talking about silver bears today. So not like, to be fair, bears. 
bears, silver bears. <laughs> I had great hopes for the next line we didn't get there, did we? It's not I don't f- even know, I don't know what the next line is in the actual song, so that's why I stuff no. it's you know, it's Wayne Newton or something, is it? Oh god, fair play to you. I didn't even pay that much attention to the music. Although the closing credits music kind of got me alright. But anyway, look, that's that's by the way. Um it's not the first time that he's done a movie to suit his lifestyle now already. We, you know, the Marseille contract probably broke the seal on that one when he went to Paris Ugh. because it got him out of the winter and it got the, the wife and kids away. Um, but he, as you say, this is the one he does. He just does it for the money. This is pure. What's the first movie I can do, Mr. Agent? Well, this one, Silver Bears, seems to be quite interesting. It's got a Czech director, Louis Chaudin's in it. That'll do, that'll do, that'll do, that'll do. Where do I sign? That's it, basically, isn't it? Is Laurence Olivier his agent now in this in this scenario? Oh yes, darling. Yes, I, I I've got so close to Michael now that he calls me Michael and he calls me Larry, and it's wonderful. So it's wonderful. To be fair to Silver Bears, right on the surface, you would say why, 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 why watch it, why? But let me just say this much in Silver Bears' favor. All right, this film gives us Kane on a donkey. It gives us drunk Kane. It gives us Kane drained by dysentery in Morocco. It gives drained us Kane. Drained Kane. It gives us love scene Kane. More of which and on. Tiny bit of sports Kane. Bit of swearing Kane. And we guess, weirdly, we get a young Jay Leno. So, you know. Nobody even wants a, a fucking old uh, Jay Leno. Like, I'm barely okay with the respiring Jay Leno, to be fucking quite honest. Yeah, did you hear about this? Oh, this is great. <laughs> Looking like a young Miriam Margulies in this fucking movie. He really does. It's very, very yeah. odd. Now, can it's we refer to Kane a, a Kane and a Donkey as uh, Kane's sweet ass? We sure can. Kane's sweet okay. ass. That sounds beautiful. Like, you know, if it's if, if all those things are not worth watching the movie for, don't get me wrong, but I think it's definitely worth hanging in this podcast for these things, right? It's like that's five or six kind of classic Kane things that we like to talk about there. Also, Misery Loves Company, yes. And Misery Loves, absolutely loves Comfrey. All right, so, uh, no, okay, let's go. Let's get into this, right? So, Silver Bears, Kane is playing a financial wizard. There's definitely a joke in there at a time when he's suffering a little tax problem in real life, but I'm I'm not reaching for it. He's trying to hide money for the mob. He goes to buy a bank in Switzerland. He ends up in a whole lot of bother with Jay Leno and Sybil Shepard and a load of other familiar actors. This is the long, long, long forgotten Silver Bears. These people are not smarter than you are. They're richer than you are. What have we got here? We have a proposition that involves more money than you could possibly ever have dreamed of. Oh, I'm quite a dreamer. How about 10 million? We are not interested. 20 million dollars. Come on, fellas, I just doubled my original offer. I'm not fooling around now. And this is going to be absolutely my final offer. 50 million dollars. 50 million. 60 million bucks, Doc! 60 million! What are you a doctor of? Money. How does a billion dollars sound, Doctor? A billion dollars. Call me Doc. How would you like to be dirty, filthy, stinking, rich? Michael Caine and Sybil Shepard show you how they got $60 million and have fun doing it. Silver Bears, a scheme so simple you can do it yourself. First question for you, right? I hope it's not a banking question because I really didn't pay that much attention. Oh, God. And you know what? I don't know about you. I get very confused when I'm watching, you know, banking movies. Even like this, I was very confused. You mean watching. aroused? No, oh, banking. No. Oh, so sexy. <laughs> the 
best movies are about banking. Yeah. And it's it, 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 even yeah. more sexy. It was like Sexy Squared is bank as a banking movie that's set primarily in Switzerland, the sexiest country of all. Yeah. Hot, hot, hot. The move the book that this is based on was was a thriller, but this is a comedy. Now, did it make is you it? laugh? Yes. Did it make you laugh? No, not really. No. No, no. Can't say it did much for me, no. Uh it's a very like it's not a bad film. It's not a very it's not a good film, but it's it's yeah, it's it's your chicken dinner in a can, really, isn't it? I suppose it's like it's probably those occasions where you have to be knocked out for the likes of, I don't know, colonoscopy or something like that. You wake up and you know something bad's happened, but something not something terrible. And you know no. that you can get on with your life without being in any way scarred by it. Yeah. But it's very much movie ballast. It's there to stop the ship of movies from sinking. Um, but if you replaced with another ballast, you wouldn't notice that it's missing, you know? Absolutely not. And I don't think Kane, I mean, Kane barely refers to this at all, does he, in any of his like, books? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the world of cinema barely refers, you know, this is there, there in the great Canada movies. Like, people would bemoan, they don't make movies like this anymore. Well, good fucking cause. Good reason. It's, it's a movie, it's a movie essentially, uh, it's like, oh, was that, did that happen? You know, I'd yeah. imagine, uh, I'd imagine, and again, obviously, I don't know this from a personal experience, it must be like a woman who's been made love to by a man with a very small penis. I guess it's happened, but they didn't really feel anything. Yes. I saw this film, I'd say, about seven or eight months ago on one of those, you know, vintage movie channels that popped up. And I watched five or six minutes of it. I couldn't get can over. I, can you can just can you can you paint a, a magnificent word picture? Because again, you are a writer uh, ultimately here of what you're normally doing when. What brings you to be watching these channels? Well, you know, um, what's what is it? Is it at the end of a long day, having you know, exhausted, you know, your word engine? Are you there just laying at, at odds with the world, just looking for some sort of visual sucker? Exactly. I'm basically I'm I'm flicking through the Hallmark channels to see do I recognize anybody in those films. And occasionally I will land onto one of these vintage movie channels where, and I am convinced of this, that at any time, anywhere in the world, there is a McCain movie on somewhere. And on this particular occasion, it was Kane in Silver Bears, 1978. And like, I think when that came on... Can we just can we just say in this scenario, at no point does it occur to you, maybe I should go look at a new movie. It's like, no, 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 can't be doing any of that. I want something old and shit just there to tickle, tickle my brain while I slowly fall asleep. It's it's why I'm here. The only part of the day where I actually know some semblance of peace. It's be, well, this is it. Like I, I I'm actually not able because I you know I we we live in a house with four kids. So like I mean the idea of actually, actually not, not, to, not both of us. It's not like we're here. You know, we're, we're, we're co-parenting. Yeah, no, not you. Good good God. Um, but it, it, the it, you know I'm not. My brain isn't able to kind of focus on a proper film. So all I want is rubbish. I rubbish. I just want it. It's 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 like junk eating. You know, it's just like, it's like comfort eating. It's just like comfort flicking. And then, oh, there's Kane. And bizarrely, he looked younger in 1978 than he did in 1972. And you're looking at it going, how is this? And then you realize that some of the film was filmed in Morocco and he lost nearly a stone due to getting a dose of the shits. Yeah, the D plan. <laughs> yeah, the D plan. He was on the D plan. Um, will I do the plot? Get into this? Ah, why not? This should be fairly quick. Oh, Christ. You'd, th you'd like to think so. Uh, right. So Kane's character is called Doc Fletcher. Now, he, as I said at the top there, was sent to Switzerland to buy a bank to launder mob cash. And when he's there, he meets Louis Jardin, who plays a prince 
who agrees to be chairman of the board and front the whole thing. So the bank turns out to be above a pizzeria, which makes Kane very, very cross. And the prince suggests investing in a silver mine in Iran, run by a brother and sister, played by David Warner, who I know as the guy who got beheaded in The Omen. And 100%. Thank you. And Stefan Audran, who this, the, the, I know her face. I had to go and look up her filmography, and I saw that she was in The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, but she's one of these she's one of these French actresses. You've just seen a lot of things. She's, she's very good. Um, anyway, the mine in Iran uh, is said to contain a billion dollars in silver. A billion. Imagine a billion dollars in 1978. Big now. Like. Anyway, yeah. Doc, Doc gets them. Uh, Doc gets $5 million dollars as a security on a 20 million loan from the brother and the sister, buys a nicer bank and puts on a big show to draw investors in. Meanwhile, in London, Charles Cook, who's like silver dealer, richest man in the world type job, notices the price of silver coming from Iran. Oh, sorry, the silver coming from Iran is is drop is killing the price of silver because it's just too much on the market. So he decides to buy the bank and shut down the mine. Stay with me. So he gets the U.S. bank to buy, he gets a U.S. bank to buy the thing, sends a guy called Donald Luckman, who's played by Tom Smothers, a, a U.S. comedian, I'm sure anyone in America is well, well aware of the Smothers, Smothers brothers. brothers. Yeah, yeah, great people. Uh, so so Smothers, Donald Don Luckman is, heads over there with his ditzy kind of wife, Deborah, who's played by Sybil, Sybil Shepherd, 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 Sybil Shepherd, Sybil, Sybil Shepherd, Shepherd, uh, to broker the deal. So anyway, as we go, Kane, of course, seduces the wife and figures out what's going on. Uh, but when Luckman offers $60 million to the bank, Albert, who's played by Jay Leno, he's the son of the mob boss who's bankrolling the whole thing. He blurts out, yes, yes, we'll take it. And his dad agrees. So Kane gets very cross because he wants the bank for himself. So he goes to Iran, meets the brother and sister again about borrowing the $60 million to buy the bank. They reveal there's no mine. They're actually smugglers bringing in stolen silver from India and melting it all down. So the ending then is very fussy and complicated, but basically Kane works it that the mob get their 60 million from the bank from the US crowd. Charles Cook stiffs the bank because he knows there's no mine, but the bank get their money back through insurance when fraud is found, is found to have occurred via the audit report kind of saying that this bank is kosher or whatever. And Kane gives him another 10 million to, to cover the loss. So he gets the bank. Luckman, Tom Smothers' character, goes to jail for authoring this fake audit report. The prince marries the sister from Iran and goes into smuggling and Kane shacks up with Sybil Shepherd while she waits for her husband to finish his jail sentence. And that's essentially the premise for what apparently is meant to be a, a laugh-a-thon, but um, it is neither a laugh-a-thon, it is more of a marathon. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you explained the plot, you pretty much talked about the movie. I it's very hard to say what bits of the movie I liked because I neither liked nor disliked it. Yeah. It's pretty much the mashed potatoes of movies it's, it's yeah i get it it's it kind of gets it kind of yeah. gets it's grand it goes along and there's kind of a few smirky smiley bits and it kind of you know it kind of gets lost in itself it's beautiful you... casual homophobia uh, oh yes at, at the start um second k movie to include some very vigorous male breast manipulation um distractingly so i mean the Czech director, who I understand made a career for some kind of art house movies before yeah. this, I'm not sure whether this is part of his milieu or not, but it did take up a disturbing amount of the frame while yeah, while Kane was uh, um, having a conversation with uh, his mob boss. It was just it was very vigorous. It was very it, vigorous. It wasn't as if he's it wasn't as if he was his chest was acting you know acting being massaged. It was pretty fucking well, vigorous. It was it was getting massaged. And I if, if yeah. my memory serves me right, you you may just it is the second time we've had some very vigorous male breast manipulation in a Michael Kane movie. Was the first time Deadfall? 
It was indeed, yeah. Was that dead fall? I mean, this, is, this was neat. This was needed so much. I expected him to put your man into a proofing bowl before <laughs> popping him into a fucking oven. Like, if if my memory serves me right, I think you described the male breast manipulation in Deadfall as being the equivalent of the guy trying to milk Kane's prostate from the outside, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. This is very, this is, very this vivid. Is, yeah, this is essentially more like bread making uh, <laughs> than it was uh, massaging. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, do you know what? Before we get on to the movie, maybe we'll just look at Kane. Just look at him. Just stare at yeah. him. You just look at his performance a little bit, right? To, to me, this movie is the epitome of cruising Kane, though. He's, oh, he's got it. 100%. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like he's got the pointing. He, he knows when to get angry on screen, shouts a bit. I like his, his comic timing has come on a lot. He's, he's, he's getting the most out of a fairly lame script. He's na- he, he nails cruising Kane in this, and this is this is a move. This is a kind of a style that will serve him very, very well for the next forty years, isn't it? Like this is this is this is he's 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 cracked it now. Uh, it's like he has his kit bag and he just opens it and he's like, yeah, do this here, do that there, uh, click the check. That's pretty much it. There is nothing here that you it, that in any way shows him stretching himself. No, in any way, it's just yeah, this is it. Show me the money. Bada bing, bada boom. I'm out of here. Like he, he, he. You know, it, it was more interesting. Like, and from that side, he's looking at the movies earlier in his career to see where did this, where did all these little gestures come from. And we talked them all through in the in the other episodes. But it's it's all in the last couple of shows. Now we've seen that it's it's all here now. It's it's as you say, the tool bag is now full. I thought the best scenes, insofar as there were any ones that you could say were the best. I thought the best ones were with Sybil Shepherd, myself, anyway. Yeah, I mean, Yuga Shepherd was a very, very attractive, very, very attractive woman. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not quite convinced that Yuga Shepherd was a very, very talented actress, though. Uh, I think the tone of her character seemed very at odds to the tone of the movie. Explain. It just it seems that the, the, the her I'm not even sure whether it was acting or uh, or, or what it was, but just it's seemed very at odds to what else was going on in the movie well it's it's a low energy movie like it's not it's a comedy but there's not an awful lot of japery going on it's kind of low energy yes. and she comes on screen and she's kind of as i said ditzy and kind of i actually came across a review of it, a blog review of it um from recent years that described her acting i think it's a bit harsh now but it describes her acting as though she's getting electroshock treatment through her underpants which I thought was a bit yuck. That's a bit much. No, it, it does. She does act as, as if somebody's literally just shouted in her ear, act. Yeah. And yes. like she's constantly startled. Like she was reading a book and then somebody just came up behind her and just kind of went, act. And she goes, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Her it's <laughs> yeah. a constant state of kind of semi-shock. Yeah. Uh, but I'm... I mean, the the scenes were with Kane, as always, are, are, are fantastic because again, there is an, there, are, there are elements of lovemaking to it. And as always, it is wonderful once again to see the Kane seduction technique in full effect unbelievable now and I, I think that part of the uh, probably part of the problem for Sybil in terms of if she looks like she might be overacting a bit is the total and utter lack of chemistry with Kane I'd say she's just she's just she's kind of going over the top to try and create some kind of chemistry some kind of believable link between them um, but the love the love making the love the kissing scenes are just they're out of the hurry sundown catalogue I think which is very yeah, I mean, bad. First of all, I'll point out, good old Hollywood, there's a 17 year age difference between Nick Kane and Sybil Shepherd. Wow, was it that much? Wow. Yeah, so, right. you know, your standard Hollywood ick level there. Yep. And secondly, again, he deploys the fantastic docking procedure uh, that would I, I, I put the International Space Station to shame in terms of its efficacy. <laughs> he sure like, does. There's no way of getting in there. That is a permanent seal. I mean, it's, you know, fucking if they could produce the PPE as effective. As his lips, I swear yeah. we, I, we 
the uh, it just take it would just take COVID levels down all around the world. I think it, it really would. Many many years later, Sybil Shepherd reflected on on Michael Caine as a leading man, and she recalled like no one, no chemistry whatsoever. They 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 did two kind of they were, they, they filmed two love scenes. One was filmed in either in Switzerland or in Morocco or wherever when he was there on his own, and then there was another one filmed back in London. Now. She said that he was just terrible. This is this is a quote from Sybil Shepherd. He was terrible at the love scene, kissing me with his mouth closed. The director said to me, "Can you get him to loosen up, heat it up?" Then weeks later, they scared. They shared another on-screen kiss, and it was much better, according to Sybil Shepherd, because Kane's wife, Sheikh Ira Shakira, was watching off camera. She says. His wife Shakira was on the set and he did a great love scene then. I think it was better because you worry sometimes about what's going to happen if you open your mouth in the kiss and your wife's not in town. I don't even want to go any further than the end of that sentence. That is a suitcase marked uh, trouble that I do not want to unpack. The fact that Mick Kane basically, for what she's saying, was more capable of kissing her when being observed by his wife leads me to imagine... Uh, some sort of white, eyes wide shut scenarios going on in Kane Towers uh, throughout the seventies and eighties. I think it's funny when you think about it. Like when you go, on, I think we mentioned it before, before uh, mm. our respective admiration for young Robert Redford and uh, 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 for me Paul Newman. Yes, it's it, it's almost impossible to think of McCain as a sexual being. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it's not. I mean, it's it's like, and obviously he's a, a screen icon um, by virtue of still being alive. Um, and continuing to act um but in terms of sheer screen chemistry with you know like leading ladies or leading men or what have you it's just it's just he does not he set the screen light in that way there's no smoldering happening on here it's not even a you know there's no fire at all no sparks this is a horse fire that is not going to you know that's going to sweep through and take out a couple of fucking parks you know it's there's nothing going on. At the top of my head, the only screen chemistry that I can just think of now is mostly with male actors. So, you know, Connery, there was chemistry. Olivier, there was a bit of chemistry. He more effectively in... and more passionately kisses Louis Jardin's hand in this movie than he does to the Shepherds. <laughs> he does. He really does. Uh, the screen kisses are very, very short. The the part, the, 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 the reason I'm thinking of Hurry Sundown, and for anyone who hasn't listened to Hurry Sundown episode, we're basically it's the worst screen kiss of all time ever. Committed to celluloid is Michael Caine and Jane Fonda in Hurry Sundown. But there's a part in this film where he and Sybil Shepherd are wrestling on the bed. And he it's meant to be, you know, fun kind of horseplay, sexual horseplay. But he ends up pinning her down and then does the Hurry Sundown move, which is basically implanting his face like he's it's it's almost like he's he it's, it's almost like he's implanting his face in wet concrete on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He's just smashing it in there, sort of a good a good indentation, good good mark is made, and the poor woman is left underneath, sort of you know probably requiring, you know, dental surgery. I'd say afterwards, it's it's intense, like. And then the, there's the the insinuation that he the, again that his character is quite good at the lovemaking. That's right. Which, when you give in all visual uh, evidence to the contrary, is a bit jarring. In their first sort of, um, in their first coming together, as it were, um, yeah, <laughs> she, <laughs> she turns around and, you know, she's, I've been I've been unfaithful three times. And since I've been in Europe and Kane's like, what? You mean I'm not the only one? But of course, it turns out that she's been unfaithful with Kane three times already. And now she's asking for a fourth go on the merry-go-round. 
He's not having it though. As I recall, he he's he's he's, he's a bit weary at this point. Please don't know already to have a full, a full, a full Irish and be forced before I do it. The more get over on <laughs> had a monster energy at this stage. <laughs> at this stage, no one's feeling like it's late at night. He's he's he's. He's flattened flat out in front of a fire. He's wrecked like he's not doing any more. He's he's away to bed now. And we'll see what the morning brings. But On that's the it. Seventh like. day, the Lord rested. <laughs> drunk cane. We get drunk cane, which essentially yeah, to me we? seems to we do. And essentially seems to me normally, of course, he has the side parting. So I think the big change here is that he combs his hair forward as a drunk cane. I think that's that's essentially what happens there. He is a man transformed. He is, I didn't recognize him. My goodness. He has just inhabited the role of a drunk. Um, sports cane. Sports cane. I thought he was going to... There was, there was a scene where he I almost thought he was going to play ping pong again. I was like, uh, Jesus uh, God, yeah. no. No, no. He plays ping pong. He plays ping pong in Z and Co. But I have to say, she throws... Sybil Shepherd throws the ball up for him to catch. Now, we don't see it come... It, it goes out of shot when it goes up in the sky and comes back down again. But he catches this like a pro. I think that was, I think that was Lynn Dayton. <laughs> oh, deep cut, deep cut for Martin Keith. Deep cut. <laughs> he goes nowhere without dating since he had Chris Vile. Uh, what else could we say? Swearing Kane. Lynn Dayton's in the bedroom as well, doing all the hand action while Shakira watches. <laughs> oh man, what a, what a weird, what a weird thing for Sybil Shepherd to say. Kane swears more in the first twenty minutes, I think, than he does in his last twenty movies. Says shits and bastards flying around the place for the first fifteen minutes. I'm not sure whether they filmed that bit first or maybe they filmed that bit later on in the later on in the shoot. And at that stage, he was like, "Ah, oh, fuck this. Gotta love the 70s, baby. Swearing a movie's lens authenticity. Apparently so. Apparently so. Um, yes, I mean, you know, it's kind of, yeah, as we said, cruising cane, cruising cane. Um, Jay Leno. Jay oh. fecking Leno. Would you like to hear how he got the gig? Would I? Oh. I'm sorry, I hit myself. Would I? <laughs> Would I? Yes, would you I? would. So okay. this is this is Jay Leno's recollection. He did a, he did a first person piece for the Sunday Times a bunch of years ago, and he he spoke about it. He said he was standing on the street corner in LA in 1978 after doing a set at the Comedy Store, and Evan Passer, the director, passed and said, "Are you an actor?" And he said, "Yeah, sure." So he said, "How would you like to go with me to England to be in a movie with Michael Caine? You'd be perfect." According to Leno, it was that was literally what happened. He said, Passer said, "Call this number Monday. See the producers. Give them a card." Uh, when Leno called him, they said, who are you? He said, um, Ivan Passer stopped me in the street. So they said, okay, come on in. So I went in and they said, we're going to Morocco, England, Las Vegas, Switzerland, and Italy, and some other place. So I said, yeah, I'll go. And boom, I was in the movies. I had no agent, no manager. And when I got home, I started doing stand-up comedy again. He's a very odd person in this movie. Again, it's... It, do you know, have you seen the recent uh, Army of the Dead movie? Um, on Netflix, it's a no, sex later movie. Busy watching bad films late night. I don't have time for new yeah, well, movies. This is, this is a particularly good movie either. But um, uh, they originally cast a guy called Chris Delia, who it turns out uh, was, uh, shall we say, in the industry parlance, problematic. Right. So his character was uh, was replaced by Tignatero. Mm-hmm. Uh, who shot all her scenes at home uh, in front of a green screen and was then digitally inserted into the picture. I it feels like. Th- they did this obviously they didn't but it's it feels like the same technique was used for Jay Leno and this it just whatever he's on screen is like this one of these things is not like the others you know it's nope. like he does not belong here um nope. he does not have a face for as a, as an actor it is very it's not like the uncanny valley it's just i find the shape of him geometrically unpleasing it's like my brain <laughs> some part of my lizard brain is going no danger run 
this is this can do you harm. <laughs> you get- Many of our people have died by turning our backs on this 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 thing. So that was my main issue with them. And then he speaks, and honest to God, it is it's like somebody slowly standing on an inflatable rubber duck, the air <laughs> whistling out of it at a, at a at a highly pitched rate. Just everything about him oh. is is just unpleasant. It's like, what are you doing here? I, I you know, I, I I have to kind of agree with you. Now, where I mean, the guy, I don't care what he looks like, but definitely, if you don't know, if you when as a new actor on screen and you're looking at this guy, and all you're looking at is the chin. I hate to say it, but that's all you're looking at. He barely has any lines. He he kind of spends a lot of the movie standing around, um, occasionally smoking a cigar. Has a has a few lines, nothing too, not not nothing too intense. As you say, it could have been done. He could have done it at home. Uh, might have been better had he stayed. No, actually, it wouldn't. It really wouldn't matter if 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 it was fucking Lawrence Olivier uh, or any other actor in that role. It, you can't polish no. a turd. No, no. I mean, he's meant to be playing a kind of a. I, I don't even know what this exactly would be. A, a, this, a wayward son of a mob boss? No, the wayward son of a mob boss would suggest to me some guy who's got his, <laughs> an actual legit job. But anyway, he's hijacking cars and he he's brought to Switzerland with for Kane to sort of groom him as a as a as a, a banker, basically. Um and I mean there's no sign of that. Yet in the middle of it all, um, when he kind of blurts out, Yeah, let's take the sixty million dollars, Kane turns to him and goes, Look at the monster I've created, look at what I've just created. And they're going, you have, I mean, on screen, they barely speak to each other in the film. Barely speak to each other up to that point. I think it's one of the big flaws, one of the huge flaws in the movie is that they create all these relationships later on in the film with no backs, like just, there's no sign of these relationships. No, I mean, it happens, it's, the, it's his relationship with, uh, with Albert. It's his relationship with, with the prince, uh, which all of a sudden they go from, uh, you know, Kane wanted to kill him kill because him. he's basically conned them into buying the bank to them going uh, to Louis Jardin uh, uh, declaring that he's the best friend he's ever had to Sybil to, to Sybil Shepherd and Michael uh, Kane's uh, romance going from you know a drunken thing to Kane saying you're the best thing that's happened or you're the nicest thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life yeah which fucking you know <laughs> no. that's really breaking the, the that's really kind of breaking the whole uh, suspension of disbelief to be honest with you um yeah, just not stuff. And then, yeah, and then actually going, John Jean, Franco, um, his relationship Louis with the, character, Louis Jordan's, uh, character, his relationship with the sister, uh, the con artist, uh, uh, so, uh, they use slaps as foreplay. Yep. Uh, which oh, I love the seventies, and then they end up getting married at the end of the movie. Yep. It's it's unbelievable. unbelievable. Actually, and before I forget, actually speaking of of strange sort of accelerated relationship. Uh, one thing we completely forgot to say about Kane's character and Sybil Shepherd was the dancing with the music at the there's like a kind of a I party at a restaurant. Reason. You could do a montage of all the terrible dance oh, scenes in Kane's movies. You really, and I think that's that sounds like a thing that we should do. Um, yeah. But they're playing the music and she's dancing like a maniac. Basically, he's just standing there. And honest to God, if you look at his face, it looks like on screen, it looks like he is going to kill her. He is not going to make love to her. He is going to kill her. And then the next thing she throws her arms around him and it's all different. But I mean, the look on his face is weird. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not actually, no, obviously, I can understand why he wasn't dancing, but maybe he's kind of bent over double at the side of the dance floor or something. I don't know. <laughs> Squatting. He may, have, he, may have, he may have gone method for it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, oh, back to Leno, actually. Just one last thing about Leno. I kind of had a look around. Sure. 
to see eh, eh, to see uh, was there anything of Kane on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno? I mean, I'm sure he's been on loads of times. I could only find one thing, I and mean, you're going to enjoy these two anecdotes. They kind of they kind of reach back to an earlier time in this podcast series. So he was on promoting the Prestige uh, one night with Leno, and he told two stories that were that are worth recalling. Now, one was about why he only wears slip-on shoes, Stephen. He only wear, and he, he he would go to the cheapest shoe shop to buy slip-on shoes. The reason is because he's experienced in repertory theater, Stephen. Actors who wore shoes with laces, they would go out and the laces would become undone. And that's all they'd be focused on is trying not to fall over their laces for the rest of the show. And he saw it's that actually, a couple of times. He's actually insane. Those are the comments <laughs> and behaviors of a crazy person. That is not rational thinking. It's not like, oh, oh God, I've had a time as you laces tonight and it's taking me completely out of the row. First thing, you'll bish bosh back into uh, our, our sh- uh, shoe shop on on the high road. You know, go pair of slip on slippers for you, no laces, <laughs> job done. Never wore never wore shoes with laces again. He probably said on the fucking let Jade in the show wearing a pair of fucking laced shoes. He he was actually wearing very expensive slip ons. Actually, funny. I think he was anyway, but I'd have to go back and check. Um, but uh, the second story will give you an indication possibly of where that madness comes from. Right. So back to his dad. God rest him. Veteran listeners of this podcast will recall how his dad had a whole thing about Kane possibly being a homosexual because he wanted to be an actor. So uh, kind of in that vein, uh, he told a story about his father being a man who worked as a fish porter and who ate red meat every day. And he believed, according to Michael Kane, that anyone who ate chicken was gay. And he also uh, told Michael never to trust anyone with a beard, a bow tie, sandals, are someone who wore two-tone shoes. Well, I tell you what, it's great news for any gay listeners. Just head to your nearest Nando's, and you're going to be up to your uh, up to your neck in sweet D. <laughs> there you go, crazy, crazy, crazy. That's the only bit I could find. I'm sure I was hoping to find some bit of him on the Tonight Show talking about silver bears with Leno. They've surely reminisced. They surely have. Did you notice Leno wore a Bogart T-shirt by the way at one stage in the film? I didn't, to be honest. Again, as I said, my brain was screaming, "Run." Leno brings pain. <laughs> Leno brings pain. Right. So the move. I can look. I've got a fact for you. Do you know what? Fuck you. I've got a fact. Fuck you. With All right. Go on then. Um, two Bond villains in this movie. Two Bond villains. Yes. Go on. Go on. Louis Jard- Louis Jardin was Kamal Khan in Octopussy. Fantastic. And Charles Gray, of course, was Blofeld in Diamond Shaft Forever. Of course he was. I was looking at him and I'm going, yes, what? But I- and he was good. Also, Martin Balsam is in it, who, I mean, my God, he's always, he, was, he, played the mo- he plays the mob boss. And he's, just, he's just always decent, you know. He's a bit like, like if you've got cruising Kane, you have cruising Balsam as well here. I mean, his CV. I went back and looked at his CV. because He's one of these guys you see as a supporting actor in so many things. He's like Psycho, Breakfast at Tiffany's, 12 Angry Men, Cape Fear twice, The Taking of Pelham 123, All the President's Men. Yeah, like good CV. silver pairs, silver pairs, not so much. <laughs> of course, we have Joss, uh, diplomatic immunity, Ackland in this as well. Maybe we do a throwback to the Black Windmill. Yep, yep. He uh, he plays the kind of the dickhead banker that you want to get, who you really want to see get screwed by the end, but he doesn't get screwed really. In Did the you end. watch the post credit sting, which I thought maybe they it inspired the whole Marvel universe? Uh, no, go on. Oh, it's uh, once uh, Kane and Shepard uh, go off the car. There's a very brief cut and then it uh, uh, to the credits and then it goes uh, to um, 
Tommy Smothers' character in jail. Oh, yeah, well, I did uh, see this. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a post credit thing, yeah. but uh, it's the uh, he's there looking at a picture of his wife and then goes to play with his yo-yo, which mm-hmm. I assume was very, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. just assume and just leave it at that. But yeah. is, he, is he typing his memoir? Because he's saying he's going to write a book about the whole thing. Because you can't yeah, see it. Typing his memoir and, lo- and looking lovingly or whatever at uh, Sybil Shepherd's photo and then proceeded to stand up and then play with his yo-yo. Yeah. <laughs> Not a euphemism. He was playing with his yo-yo. He was playing with a yo-yo. He, Tommy, so, oh, Tommy can you do one of your classic bits? <laughs> Yo-Yo Man, he, he's, he's not bad in it. Like he, he, he's, he's not getting he, an awful lot to do either, no, to be honest. he's not. He's, he's, just a, look, he's playing a drip. Yeah, and he, he, plays it, he plays it just fine. Um, yeah. We've actually, I'm just looking through my own notes here for movie bits. We've kind of touched on all of the movie bits because, I mean, you know, the kind of, the mad kind of acceleration and all these relationships and we don't understand what the hell just after happened, but they're all like, you know, getting married and best friends all of a sudden. Um, yeah. Reviews. Ah, it just disappeared. It was a box office flop everywhere it went. Yeah. Um, I think Variety, I know you're not a fan of Variety, but I, I, I think they probably nailed it. He, Only in said, life. Well, <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, they say that Eva and Passover assemble a rather talented squad of performers, then marches them through a minefield, losing all hands in an attack on an uncertain objective. I think he, look, it's a very good cast of people individually, but again, yet again in the Kane Project, it just does not come together um yeah i think that's pretty much i mean christ we've talked more about um we've talked more about silver bears than anybody i'd say in the last 40 odd years like i mean the, the way he did do an interesting interview uh when he was filming it with the evening standard kane where he actually he was asked straight out are you leaving and on around the tax issue and he said no i'm not um which was clearly a fib but um but there we go. He definitely was. Uh, I think he was still in England. I know in the previous episode, we had talked about him moving to LA and stuff. The kind of timeline around this is all a bit vague. I think when Silver Bears came out, he was still in England, but certainly... I've seen two years for, two released years for Silver Bears. One, uh, one side was saying 1977, the other 1978. Yeah. So in around this year, basically this is coming out in around when Star Wars was coming. You're yeah. going, lads, different era. What the fuck are you doing? Where is it sitting? Yeah, I mean, some, yeah. some of the dates on these, maybe maybe UK or an, an American release, but it sits yeah. it sits nowhere. I mean, the idea of the silver, the idea of silver, there was, there was a massive drop, I think, in the price of silver in the early 70s, which is where this idea came from. But like, yeah, it doesn't really sit anywhere. Marks for Kane. I guess you could say silver as a plot idea does not lead to box office gold. Hey, hey, now, there we go. Now, see, that is why... We keep you in curly whirlies to keep you on this podcast. Those kind of lines. I, I fucking hate curly whirlies. So that's a terrible way of keeping well, me on board. You should have just said, and we can change it. We change it. At my you. age, you now my teeth are quite brittle, so uh, it, it's a it's a dice with death. It's kind of Russian roulette if I eat a fucking curly whirly. Fair enough. We go to looking, we, one curly whirly and end up looking like Shane McGowan. We'll move to softened Fredos from now on. So for you, it's better just nuke them for about five minutes there. So yeah. Uh, That'll do the trick. Right, Mark's for Kane, not for the movie, God help us. Cruising Kane, what does Cruising Kane get? Cruising Kane usually gets a five, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would nearly give him a six just to kind of just bump it up slightly because, I mean, the timing, I mean, he did do a bit, like his comic timing and stuff and he, the way he worked the script wasn't bad given what was actually on the page. And I actually, I quite liked some of the, imp- I'm assuming they were improvised with Civil Shepherd. They looked improvised to me. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I guess it's like, He's acting at this stage is basically the same as getting a plumber in to fix something. They come in, they fix it, and that's it. You know, yeah. um, but in acting, you 
typically expect a bit more. You know, they're not coming in to change a fucking washer and attack. You know, he's coming in to give a fucking performance and uh, do his best and sell the fucking you know sell the the role and sell the story. And it's just yeah, you can see the indi- indifferent glaze in his eyes and something. So I'm, I sticking also, with my, I'm sticking with my fad. You're sticking with your five. All right. Well, I'm not going. I'm not going to follow it with you over. And I think as well, uh, maybe the lack of energy on our side is possibly because of what's coming next. This feels like a movie that's just in the way of what's next. I mean, if you ask people, no, we don't. People have told us what not, episodes. We're not asking anyone. No, we're not asking anybody. Sorry, but people have told us the episodes that they, the movies they want reviewed, the episodes they want to hear. And I would say, without fear or favor, apart from blaming Unreal, weirdly, this is and Jaws. This is the movie that everybody wants to hear about. Have you ever seen The Swarm? We have been invaded by an enemy far more lethal than any human force. I thought we were talking about Hannah and her sisters. Uh, (laughs) Have I ever seen The Swarm? I have seen some of The Swarm. I have seen it up to, I think there's a line in it that, again, I'll say it now because we'll be bringing it up next week, even though we'll be bringing it up next week. uh, I think it's him, it's something like this. It's the bees. I was right all along. (laughs) So... That's just lodged in my mind somehow. I know, obviously, I'm paraphrasing. I'm sure it won't be the same, but the gist of it is, it's the bees. I was right all along. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. I've never seen it. I, I flicked on, before we before we, we, we got on to talk about Silver Bear, I flicked on 30 seconds, just random, just clicked into the middle of it somewhere to see. It was a piece of dialogue between himself and Richard Widmark. And I I can, I, it was just, just dialogue and they're walking. And I tell you, I was in stitches. I was in stitches this thing it's do you know how long the swarm is by the way it better not be longer than 90 minutes it's two hours and 35 minutes long well i suppose two it is hours a disaster. And 35 minutes? i suppose it is a disaster movie oh god why why how many no, no, i mean this, this is going to be great this is widely considered if uh, for the few people who are listening to this who don't know, this is widely considered among the worst movies ever made, ever, 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 ever. Now, them's fighting words, as far as I'm concerned. Like, oh, I, it does. It does have. Do you know what it has? It is two hallmarks for just dog shit. It is Jose Ferrer and Richard Chamberlain. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be something. This is going to be something. We've been. Wa- I've been waiting a long time to watch this film, but now it's finally, finally, finally here. Yes, I hope it lives up to its buzz. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, 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 oh, yeah. Gee, you oh, don't get that in other podcast, do you? Oh, Just you the fucking not. sizzling wit straight off the platter, boy. Oh, beautiful. Like your, beautiful. Szechuan, like your Szechuan beef with the local Chinese takeaway. So just come and eat it, but I can't. It's just too hot. Ah, oh, man, you could have, you could have, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm just, that one liner just puts me in mind of Jay Leno on The Tonight Show again. Again, oh, Jay Leno. be so cruel. Right. Go and watch it, find it. If you don't want to watch it, you know, if you don't want to spend two and a half hours watching The Swarm, well, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I've never seen it, so I can't, I can't say it's a good or a bad idea. But if you don't want to go watch it, just come back here next time. We will watch this and I'll have a feeling we're going to have a lot to talk about. And as usual, yeah, like and subscribe for fucking ignore this piece as you fucking normally do, you ungrateful <laughs> motherfuckers. Um, or, you know, ask us a question on Twitter, which none of you, you do either. So why are you here? Is it just, oh, I just like the abuse, do you? You just like to be hurt. Yeah, I think they're a little bit like Sybil Shepherd, trapped underneath Kane. They just, they don't know why they're there. They're just thinking, is this is almost over. 
Uh, and it is now. Well, I, I'm just hoping he hasn't fallen asleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right there. Right. Let's wrap it up. We'll talk next time. Good luck. Goodbye. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. Um, maybe leave a comment. Only nice ones, though. Mean comments will make Alfie cry, and no one wants to see that. The Marco Kane podcast is written, researched, and presented by Stephen Black and Michael Foley, and edited by Andrew Foley. Music is composed by Stephen Black. If you'd like to get in touch, you'll find us on Twitter at, at MarcoKane2. And if you enjoyed this episode, you'll find all the rest wherever you get your podcasts. The Marco Kane is a Mala News 2 Cubes production. See you next time. More.